Welcome back, everybody. It's the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're all, you're with Lyle and Blair this morning. Have a lot of fun on the show. And as part of that fun, we are about to have another question for the quiz. Blair's going to bring it to you. Blair, go for it. So this one is a complete the verse. Complete the verse. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot blank, blank, blank. Interesting text. Can you finish it off? The prize, if you can, is the KJV Bible with Mark Finley study notes and the answers to difficult Bible texts. Uh, you can text in an answer to that question at 0491064669. And that question again, it's complete the verse. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot blank, blank, blank. All right. And it might be worthwhile specifying which translation you are quoting from because... A couple yes. of different translations use a couple of different words there. Yes. Good so, point. So if producer Shels is like, nah, 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 you got it wrong, <laughs> you got it wrong, then challenge her with the challenge her with the translation that you've got and she will look it up and confirm it for you. All right, so interesting one right there. We've got some interesting uh, text messages that have come through here. So let's go to, this is what you had to say about the first half of the show. Love hearing from our listeners. So do send your messages through or give us a call. If you want to have a talk here on the show, you're more than welcome to. Just jump on the phone and producer Shell will put you through. All right, long lives uh, or lives. Not sure if I want to live so long in a world like today. We all know what happened to the antediluvian people who lived close to a thousand years. Instead of getting closer to God, they completely forgot about him. For I forgot about him but for eight people. And that's an interesting mm. thought there, Blair. I've never actually stopped to think about it like that because we all think, you know, it'd be nice to live for a thousand years, but that's another, that's an extra 900 years of temptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if not um, utilised in a good way, as those eight did, you know, in the antediluvian world, absolutely can be compounded for evil. Yes, but I even think about it for myself. If I had, if I had another nine, if I was facing another 900 years of temptation... What would be the chances of me? Uh, the chances of me falling away would be higher. Yeah, that, that's a sobering thought. I've never ever thought about it like that before. Interesting thought. I don't want another nine hundred years of temptation. <laughs> I've had enough temptation in fifty. <laughs> of course, in the world made new with eternity. without the temptation, I will, I will nice. take that. I will take that all day long. Yeah. The other thing that the other thing that would be not nice about it is all of the death that you would deal with. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the, the, the lady in the Philippines that lived to 124. You know, and there's this old saying that children should never die before their parents, but if you're going to live to 124, your kids are going you're to die You're probably having you. grandkids die before, well, maybe, yeah. possibly. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, because how many, how many are yeah. they going to be? There's just, you know, there's definitely going to be, and you, you're going to see the death of all of your friends. You're going to see the death of a lot of your family members, that's a lot of death to deal with. Mm. That would that, be rough. Once again, in the new earth, there will be no death. Won't have to worry about it. Uh, the new generation and the resurrection. A third of teenagers believe in the resurrection. All the figures you gave, really surprising. Now, that's good news. Love that they see Christians not, be, not being as loving as Christ. Of course, they are totally correct. However, what a terrible representation of Christ we are. Probably why the world is in such a mess. It's a massive challenge, isn't it? It is. I'm glad that they see Jesus as better than Christians, but disappointed at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, that whole charge of Christians being hypocrites, you know, the church being full of hypocrites, I always say, 
It's not full yet. There's room for more. That's right. Come, <laughs> come and join us. <laughs> we're, room tri- for more. We're, we're striving for a, for a goal, but uh, of course, Scripture does tell us that all fall short of the glory of God. Yes. And so there is that, that reality. Wherever there's humanness, there will be failure. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, let me just see here. This one says, Feli says, So true, Lyle, I am 50s too. See, I'm, I'm 50. <laughs> I'm 50. I like how you qualify yeah. that. Trying to, trying, to, trying to really bring that back. <laughs> bring it back as far as I can. Uh, I'm 50. Uh, uh, very good. Um, and so, yeah, uh, great to have you on the show. Listening to the show, Feli. Feli listens on her walk. She has sent us a photo of her morning walk, and it's pretty spectacular. Nice view. Sun's coming up. Night, beautiful skyscape. Yeah, wow. I'm super jealous, Feli. I'm glad you're out there joining it. Uh, Brayden has this to say. Um, also, oh, all, all the best to Etienne with where God is leading him. It has been great to hear his stories from Voice of the Martyrs. Well, it's our intention to continue on with Voice of the Martyrs. I imagine somebody will be taking Etienne's place, and when they do, we will get in contact with them and hopefully have them here on the show. I think Voice of the Martyrs is doing an incredible work around the world. Absolutely. And it's one that we really like to support wherever we can. What a fantastic ministry. Ah, Yes. So definitely look them up on their social media, their website, vom.com.au, I think it is, but vom, and you'll be able to get in touch with Voice of the Martyrs. In fact, while we're talking about Voice of the Martyrs, this text message says, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, wish you well on your new adventure, Etienne. Persecution in the world, calling yourself a Christian, doesn't make you a Christian, especially when it's a church-state religion like mm. Muslims and Catholics. We know what the future holds, and Orthodox, uh, we know what the future holds for true Christians. Let's make sure we know Christ personally for we will suffer persecution. I find it so hard to believe that so many martyrs are suffering for Christ until death until death today. Let's hope we are as faithful as them when our time comes. Mm. Lord, keep us faithful to the end. What a challenge. You know, you look in Scripture and you see um, God's faithful people described as those who love not their lives even unto death. Uh, those people who are willing to put Christ and his cause before everything else. It is a very important challenge, isn't it? You know, the meeting that we went to last night, last night, night before Blair, uh, somebody was asking about, I forget what they were asking about, but one of the, one of the, there was a panel up the front and one of the panel members talked about the fear that we have. Mm, yes. And how we shouldn't be controlled by fear as Christians. And one of the fears is we have a tremendous fear of offending people. Yes. We have a massive Christian flinch about offending people. There is a massive difference between offending someone and being offensive. Absolutely. That's an important distinction. It's a really, really big difference. And, and there's efforts to conflate the two. Yes. And we should never be offensive. But the Bible says offenses will come. Absolutely. And there's nothing we can do about that. Well, they came for Christ and when he... Walked and talked and lived. He said, "You know that was a, a fruit of part of his ministry, and we we wouldn't dare say that that, um, you know, is is something that wasn't good." If we change our language every time somebody has been offended, then they will offend us to the point where that we are completely neutered. 
It's one of the things I've learned in public evangelism is in, you know, when you look at, when you look at the message that God has given to us, it's a spicy message. You know, it's, it's a message that is designed to grab the attention of the world and it's a message that is going to state those things that are right and those things that are wrong in a very, very clear way. And the moment you share that message, people who are practicing those things that are wrong obviously are going to, their conscience is going to get pricked. They're not going to have an enjoyable time with it. I've been there. I've experienced it. The Bible describes itself as a two-edged sword. And you're going to have various reactions. You're going to have some people that that brings to repentance. Let's pray all of us come to repentance whenever that sword is wielded in our direction. Absolutely. But you're going to have other people who are going to be offended by that. Jesus had lots of followers. And if we if you seed your language, biblical language, just for because that happens, then it's an exercise in self-defeat for Christians because it, it really begins neutering the gospel. It neuters the gospel. And I've had this happen in you know public evangelism. You know, you send out a, a brochure, for instance, and you get some kickback from the brochure. Oh, you're putting this rubbish in my mailbox. Uh, you'll get some kickback from the audience. Oh, you, you said such and such and such and such. If we are never getting kickback, it is because we have been completely neutered in our presentation of the gospel. And if we flinch every time there is the slightest amount of kickback, then we are not presenting the gospel as it should be because as Etienne pointed out in his interview, and it was such a good thought, there's no such thing as a 0 to 20 Mm, in persecution. That was awesome. uh, For Christians. There is a 1 to 20, and if you're sitting on 0, then you need to re-look at your relationship with God. Absolutely. I was like, wow, wow, that's just... You know, that is just, you know, the, 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 the thought of the day. All right, we're going to be back with a Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Okay, Job chapter 19 is where we're heading to, Blair. Wondering whether you can take us to Job chapter 19. We're going to start reading there in verse 25. So it's Job chapter 19, verse 25, yes. 26 and 27. Let's read God's Word. It says... For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Okay, so we've been talking about the subject of death and what happens when a person dies. We've been doing a bit of Bible study on it. What does this passage here actually have to teach us about this particular subject? Uh, and when and under what circumstances was Job expecting to see God? Yeah, it's interesting there. He says, um, I know that I will see God. Yes. <laughs> Which is, um, you know, what a, what a wonderful thought. Yes. <laughs> for, yes. For starters, we, um, we all want to be in that position where we do see God, although in the right context. Because <laughs> we did study last week the uh, the two resurrections, the resurrection of righteous and condemnation, and uh, we also we certainly want to be in that first resurrection when we see God, not the uh, not the second one. Absolutely. Okay, so verse twenty five. Let's have verse For I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. Okay, so there is coming a time when Jesus will stand on the earth. That's the context of the passage that we're reading right here, right? There will be a time when Jesus will stand on the earth. Mm. At the end of the thousand years, um, 
And then in verse 26, and it says, Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in what condition will he see God? In my flesh. Yes. So what does he understand will happen to his body? The body will will go away. My sin, my skin will be destroyed, but my flesh, I will see God. So, yeah. It's going to be eaten by worms. He's, yeah. that's Looking forward to that. Oof. It's not a very nice thought, is it? <laughs> Sometimes we forget it's the breakfast show. People are having their breakfast this morning, Job. Um, okay. But he points out that, yes, our body is going to die and rot away, but that when we see Jesus, we will see Jesus in our flesh, not in a disembodied ghost or soul or spirit, but in our flesh. That is how we will see Jesus. Uh, and we will see Jesus in the latter days when he stands on the earth. Verse 27, Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my uh, reins be consumed within me, it says in my translation. Okay, so we're going to compare this with a couple of other different passages of Scripture uh, just to see the how this all goes together. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go to Second Timothy on this one. There's a really good passage on this in Second Timothy, and we read it the other day. We're going to go back to it again because, well, maybe I read it the other day. I don't remember. I did preach on this the other day, so maybe it was me. Anyway, I think it was you because I don't remember going to that text. Okay, Second Timothy. Let's go Second Timothy chapter four, and we're going to read. We're going to start reading in verse six. First Timothy chapter four, verse six. God's word says, For I am now for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Okay, so this is Paul. He's writing to Timothy, and what is about to take place in Paul's life? His his departure is at hand. He's about to be executed. His execution date has been set, and so he sits down to write, to write one last letter. And when you look at you know one of the spiritual giants mm. of the Bible, and this is his last words. You know, when somebody has an That's opportunity, worth listening to. Yeah, when somebody has the opportunity, like Paul did, to write down their last words, they're going to be worth reading. Somebody who has spent a lifetime sharing Jesus. I love how that text says I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and that is really, you know, his whole life he committed post-conversion, of course, Mm. uh, from Saul to Paul. uh, He committed to pouring himself out for Christ and and his cause. Um, And then he he sees that that final fate coming up, looming up against him, and, and absolutely we should take note of what is shared. Yes, I love that. I love that symbolism too, because this is sanctuary terminology that Paul is using. You know, the drink offering that is poured out. There's nothing kept. It's it all just gets completely poured out until there's nothing left. And he's he's like, I've reached the point. There is nothing left. Everything's been poured out. I've poured everything that I have into sharing the gospel. But he says, the time of my departure is at hand. Uh, he has been sentenced to death. It is about to happen. He has sat down to write this last letter. Okay, verse seven. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a what a way to, to conclude. Yeah, what a way life. to go out. <laughs> Absolutely. With absolute confidence. Oh, man, that's inspiring. Yes. Verse 8. 
Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, so let's see what the Bible says right here. We had some interesting questions come in last week into the show that we're going to address uh, probably during question of the day. But if you've got some questions here in relationship to these passages that we're reading from the Bible, we would love to hear from you. But notice what Paul says. He's facing death. He's probably going to be executed maybe later on this morning when he writes this. Uh, possibly within a few days, maybe within a few weeks, we don't know. But he's been sentenced to death, and typically in the Roman world, when you were sen- sentenced to death, they executed you. They make it happen. This was not the United States. <laughs> they get it done. In the United States, if you are sentenced to death, you won't die for the next 15 you years. sit on death row for, yeah, <laughs> how long? Even in Indonesia, you will still get like maybe three months or something or other, sometimes a month before the, the sentence is carried out. But in Rome, they sentence you to death, they execute you. So he's been in court, he's heard the death sentence, he's gone back home, he's probably going to die the next day. And he writes this. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. The key question here is, what day is he referring to? Is he going to receive a crown of righteousness... That very the day, day of his <laughs> the day of his execution is that the day that he is referring to? No, can't okay. be based on our studies. Or not based on the rest of this verse either, um, because he goes on to see, and not to me only, but unto all that love his appearing. Yes, absolutely. Is is everyone going to receive a crown? All those who love his appearing going to receive a crown on that day? Well, if it was the day of his execution, Blair, you and I missed out. <laughs> That's not good. No, that's definitely not good. Uh, however, if it's the day of Jesus appearing, that has not yet happened, and you and I have not left out, been left out, and we can be there with Paul when he receives his crown of life. That sounds good to me. And more importantly, that sounds good to the Bible. And the Bible says that everyone will receive the crown of victory at exactly the same time. I was just, you know, when I was covering the news this morning, let me just see if I can look this one up real quick. Um, There was this interesting news headline that it just jumped out at me. And I'm like, ah, really? You know, can't we just get back to what the Bible says on these things? Let me just see if I can find this real While you're pulling that up, I just love that text, verse 8 there, where it says, uh, verse 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the right, I've kept the faith. It makes me think of that text where Paul writes in Acts, uh, well, actually, no, um, uh, Luke was writing, but about Paul saying uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus set before me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I love that because... That's what he says about his life before he's being executed. He says, my only aim is to finish the task God's given to me, to run the race of faith. And then at the end, he gets to say, I've, I've been able to achieve my only aim. Yes. That's so yes. awesome. That is the best, isn't That's, it? And, and what a challenge for all of us to have that as our only aim. Imagine if, if we could each say with Paul, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Like the voice of the martyrs we've been talking about as well, that theme of 
um, you know, God's faithful throughout history, putting Christ and His cause above everything else, physical comfort, even life itself. Yes. Um, I've, con- I've, I consider my life worth nothing to me. The, my only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus set before me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. What a challenge. You know, after we received that text message this morning, I am so inspired by the antediluvians who finished a 900-year yes. race. <laughs> I'm just still doing my head in. It's just, yeah, anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Ah, Blair, what have we got for our next question for our quiz? Last one for this morning. Indeed it is. What two nations did Daniel say would take over Belshazzar's kingdom? He said two nations would take over... Uh, Belshazzar's kingdoms, which were they? The prize is uh, up for grabs this week is the KJV Bible with Mark Finley study notes and the Answers to Difficult Bible Texts book, which is a great companion to that study Bible. It Uh, is. These are both really, really outstanding resources. Awesome prize. I'd love to get my hands on those. You can text the answer to the question into 0491-064-669. And that question again, what two nations did Daniel say would take over Belshazzar's kingdom. There's a number of different books out there that answer different questions, uh, difficult questions in the Bible. Uh, I've seen them at Kurong, I've seen them at BBF, and I've looked at quite a few different ones. The two very best that were ever put out is Joe Cruz's Answers to Difficult Questions and F.D. Nichols' Answers to Objections. Ah, yes, yes. Those two are the best. I haven't actually read the one here, the Joe Cruz ones. I've, I've seen the Answers to Objections, but this one here... Let me help you, Blair. Oh, wow. <laughs> that copy right it's, here in the studio. right there. Old oh, and man. worn out. That is powerful. Look at that. That old black and white picture on the back. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cheat sheet for when you guys send in hard questions. I'm like, I don't know the answer to that one. Pull out Joe Cruz and you got the answer so right now there. We, now he, he makes me sound good on air. You're giving all the hacks away to all the listeners I here. know. Well, the thing is, if we give this away to some of our listeners, then they can do question of the day. Perfect. Yes. So now this is gold. This is really, really excellent. All right, let's get into our Bible study, eh? Absolutely. So we were. Oh, uh, take, no, so you had a headline. Number, do we have to do the phone number again? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call, and read that question for us one more time. The what two nations did Daniel say would take over Belshazzar's kingdom? All right, if you know the answer. History question for you right there. Let's see if you can figure it out. So we were talking about... You got a headline. You pulled a headline up. I did. I pulled the headline up. And this is a tragic story. It's a story that I was thinking of covering. It's a tragedy about a young fellow who was runner-up in American Idol. Right. So he's a singer. I don't really know much about the show. Yeah, they sing songs and get judged. Yeah, so he's runner-up in that. He's 23 years old, um, devout Christian, and he was just sitting in his car. And while he's sitting in his car, he recorded... Um, just recorded a song, just you know, just pulled out his phone and recorded a song, uh, You Are My Hiding Place, just because he loved to sing mm. and, he's, and, he, and he loves to glorify God. And within a very short space of time, he'd had a car accident and was tragically killed. Oh, no. So that um, you know, was, a, was a, just a, a very, very sad story. Uh, this was in season 19. I don't know how many seasons there are, but I think that was this year. Story seems to indicate that. But the headline is this. He is singing the lead in heaven's choir. 
family pay tribute to American Idol finalist killed in a car crash hours after recording a Christian song. And I understand that. And I understand the pain Mm -hmm. of death. I lost my mother when I was 12. And I understand why people say this, but then I read what Paul said. He will give me a crown of life on that day, and not me only, but everyone who loves his appearing. And so Willie, the particular person in this story, according to the Bible, will receive his crown and receive his opportunity to lead Heaven's Choir, I'm sure, on the same day that Paul receives his crown. What a glorious day that will be. Oh, absolutely. What a day to look forward to. And uh, the, the great resurrection right there. We sing about it in the songs. We do. We do. All right, let's go back to our Bible study. Let's go Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16 while we're here in the Timothys. Chapter 6, verse 16. God's Word says in 1 Timothy... Give me verse 15 as well, just a bit of context. Absolutely. God's Word says, uh, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, which no man has seen or can see, to whom be honour and everlasting power. Amen. Okay. The Bible says here, who alone has what? Immortality. Immortality. So God is the only one, according to Scripture, who has immortality. Human beings do not have natural immortality. You won't find that verse Anywhere in the Bible. D- despite uh, the devil's first false sermon in Genesis. Uh, you will not surely die is the words of Satan. So basically what you've got in Genesis chapter 2, you have God says you will die. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan says you won't die. Your choice is which one of those two you're going to believe. Mm. That's your choice. John chapter 1, let's go to John chapter 1 verse 18, the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 18. John chapter 1 and verse 18. uh, Please, Blair. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Okay, so when we look at this particular passage here, we find that for Jesus to die because he was God, he had to become a human being. Word became flesh and lived amongst us. That's what this whole passage is all about. You know, right from the beginning there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Go down a few verses. The Word was made flesh in verse 14 and lived amongst us. Um, And then in verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has seen and declared him, who is the only one who is immortal. And for Jesus to die, he had to become a human being. And when Jesus died, he didn't go to heaven. No, he went to the grave. In fact, let's read about that while we're here. Uh, Let's go to to John chapter, uh, let me see here, John chapter 20. Yeah. John chapter 20 and verse 17. Why don't we read John chapter 20 and verse 17? This is... Sunday morning of the crucifixion weekend, this is the resurrection day. So Jesus has been alive, has been dead since Friday, 
has resurrected on Sunday morning, and then he meets with Mary Magdalene. Uh, go for it, Blair. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Okay, so if anybody deserved to go to heaven when they died... Uh, it would, Jesus would be at the top of the list. By far. And yet he says, I haven't been there yet. Why hasn't he been there yet? Where has he been? He's, he's been, been in the grave. He's been in the tomb. Just like anybody else who dies, he has been in the tomb waiting for the resurrection. In his case, he waited the weekend. Mm. In our case, we wait a little bit longer. The reality is the time span for both of us is going to be the same in the way we experience it. Well, that's right. When you when you wake up from your sleep, <laughs> yes, you don't know the amount of time that's transpired between when you went to sleep and when you woke up. Yes. Oh, there's so many good verses that we could look at right here as we go through this passage uh, in relationship to what happens when a person dies. But I think the message is quite clear here. The Bible says, yes, we will see God. We will see God in our flesh when we are resurrected and gifted, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, immortality. Mm -hmm. Why would we need to be gifted immortality if we already had it? (laughs) The reason we are gifted immortality is because we do not have it, and the Bible says that that will take place at the last trumpet. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have come to the time when we're going to give away answers for our quiz questions. Blair's going to bring them to you. Indeed. So our first question today was Psalms 36 says that the people take refuge under the shadow of what? Wings, God's wings, under the shadow of God's wings. Question one. Uh, Question two, what book comes between Jonah and Nahum? The answer is Micah. And question three, Jesus gave the parable of the sower while he sat A, by the seaside, B, on a mountainside, C, in the temple, or D, in the gate of the city. The correct answer was A, he sat by the seaside. Question four, we asked, complete the verse, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, in John chapter 16, verse 12, Uh, and... Um, The last question, question five, what two nations did Daniel say would take over Belshazzar's kingdom? It was the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire. All right. Uh, Great stuff right there. Those are the answers. Hopefully you did well this morning. Hopefully your name is in the hat, but right now it is time for... Question of the Day. Yes, and a very cracker of a question for you today, Lyle. We had on Friday one of our faithful listeners, Jocelyn, call in to Shell and uh, have asked a question that I'm going to put to you now. How do you explain people that have been revived from death and have have had experiences of seeing God or going to heaven? We've been studying through this theme of death. Uh, How do you explain these near-death experiences what, what, what say ye? Okay, so here's an interesting, and, and typically they're called near-death experiences. So um, they will have some things in common with each other, and let's just refer to them collectively as near-death experiences. I spent a bit of time researching this, and 
basically you've got five different areas from which a from which this kind of experience can come from and it's never my position to judge which which one which experience did you have that's you know between you and god to judge that right there okay so first of all we're going to note that the bible is very clear that when you die you wait in the grave until the resurrection Clear. The Bible's clear, crystal clear on that. There's no question about that. That's what the Bible teaches, that you sleep in the grave until the resurrection. So what's going on when somebody has a near-death experience? Uh, they're clinically dead. Uh, their heart has stopped pumping. Uh, their, their, their brain is in the process of dying. And they have an experience where you know they might see God, they might see Jesus, they might see um, friends, you know, relatives, etc., Okay, and and one of the other interesting things is that when they come back, often they will look down at their body. Mm. So the first place that this can come from, and bear with me, hear me out, don't take offence at anything that I say because I'm going to talk about a number of different areas. So just wait to the end, all right? Okay, so here's the first place something like that can come from. I had a friend when I was a cabinet maker, who used to have self-induced near-death experiences and used to float outside of his body and used to go down the tunnel towards the light and see all kinds of interesting things. And then he would come floating back and he would look down at his body before going back into it. And he did all of this by experimenting with drugs. Mm-hmm. So this was, you know, drug-induced... Drug-induced... Um, Astral projection is what he called it. So he used to love experimenting with, you know, mind-altering drugs. He probably has blown his mind by now. I don't know. Um, But that's what you do if you keep using drugs like that for too long a period. All right, so here's the thing. We know that this can happen through the influence of drugs. Uh, There goes the lawnmower outside, which is just making all kinds of terrible noises. But, um, okay. Got rid of that. Now, when a person dies, the body is full of drugs. And those drugs are controlled by, you know, I think it's like your endocrine system and this system, that system, the other system. When your body dies, all of those are released into the body at once. And so you you get a massive amount of, um, for instance, adrenaline that will get released in there. And that becomes, you know, quite a toxic mix of drugs. And the same thing can happen through the natural drugs that are in your body. And often when a person has a near-death experience, not only do they get a whole bunch of natural drugs released into their body, a lot of the time they're on the operating table as well, mm. not always, uh, in which case they've got a lot of unnatural ones as well, which creates a cocktail in which a person can have the same kind of experience for the same reason. All right, but I did say hear me out because there's more to say on this subject. So that's two ways it can happen. We're going to do five. Uh, Then you have spiritualism, which is just basically Satan messing with people. That can happen, very real thing. Then you have fake news, uh, the story of the young boy that had near-death experience and they made a movie about it. I forget what it was called or what he was called and later found out to be fake news, which is super embarrassing. Uh, But then you have people who have a vision. Is it possible for somebody to have a vision? Yes. Do we find them in the Bible? Absolutely. Do we find people in the Bible who have had a vision of heaven? Yes. Yes. Do we find people in the Bible who have seen people when they've had a vision of heaven? Absolutely. 
Okay, so John would be a good example of that, but there's a number of other examples of people that have had a vision and have seen heaven. Uh, you could think of Ezekiel. You could think of Isaiah. Uh, you think, could think of Paul. You could think of Daniel, probably others, but those are the ones that immediately come to my mind. Let me read one to you. Um, and this is just a personal testimony of somebody who had one of these kinds of visions. And she says this, We all went under the tree and sat down to look at the glory of the place. This is in heaven. When brethren Fitch and Stockman, who had preached the gospel of the kingdom and whom God had laid in the grave to save them, came up to us and asked us what we had passed through while they were sleeping. We tried to call up our greatest trials, but they looked so small compared with the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that surrounded us that we could not speak them out. And we all cried out, Hallelujah, heaven's cheap enough. And we touched our glorious harps and made heaven, uh, heaven's arches ring. It's great testimony right there. Somebody who had a vision in which they went to heaven and they saw in heaven people who had died. And then the Bible, not the Bible, sorry, the testimony here goes on. This is from a book called Early Writings. goes on and talks about how that they came back down to this dark earth and that was kind of disappointing, but they certainly never uh, had any fear of death hereafter because they had had a vision of heaven. The interest is a couple of interesting points right here, and that is that there's acknowledgement there that they saw these people who had died who asked what had been happening while they were asleep in the grave. Mm. And so, yes, a person can have a vision of heaven, and God can give a person a vision of heaven, and they can see people who have died in that vision and who are dead in that vision, knowing that they are still in the grave. This is a very real experience that, I believe this person had. I've got no reason to doubt that this person had this experience. And so with some people, who am I to pass judgment? God can give people visions. We know that Satan can do supernatural things as well. We know that drugs can do things. We know that sometimes people lie about it. It's not my position to judge. It is between you and God uh, in relationship to the experience that you have had uh, in relationship to this. What's important right here is that none of this changes what anything that the Bible says. Mm. You know, you've got John who sees, has a vision and sees much people in heaven, the Bible says. Lots and lots of people in heaven. But also comes back and then writes that all those that are in the graves will hear his voice when he returns. He sees a vision of things that will take place in the future but writes about the fact that Lazarus was sleeping in the tomb and that when Lazarus came out, he didn't come down from heaven, nor did he come up from hell, he came out of the tomb. And that Martha had just stated, I know that I will see him again in the resurrection at the last day. John writes all of these things. And so just because you have seen a vision of something does not mean that that is what is happening there now. That is what will happen in the future and you've been given possibly a glimpse into the future and if you've had that, hey, that's a privilege. That's an important reminder because otherwise you can get confused about thinking you go straight to heaven or all sorts yes. of things. So. The key thought for us is this. We need to, regardless of the experience that we have had, we need to be abundantly clear on what the Bible says. Check it to Scripture. Bring it back to Scripture and then it will all make sense because it's like, okay, did I see what's happening now or did I see something 
that will I will see in the future as other people have. All right, we, we, we spent a bit of time on that one, but it's a sensitive subject and we needed to give it the... Give it the time that it needed. All right, as you go through today, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.